At the height of Rome's imperial glory, she attempted for centuries to subdue the peoples beyond the Rhine. Rome had destroyed the powerful empire of Carthage, she had subdued all of Gaul, she had taken Greece and nearly all the lands of Alexander's domain, but she could not subdue Germania. Rome had made many incursions across the Rhine where German chieftains had been made vassals, their sons given to be hostages and Romanized. One such was named Arminius, who led a revolt against Rome about the same year the boy Jesus was teaching in the temple in Luke 2. Arminius, educated in all the ways of Rome, particularly her military tactics, led three Roman legions into a trap in the Teutoburg forest. Of the 20,000 Roman troops, not a single one escaped with his life. Germania had ended Roman imperial expansion, and centuries later, the Goths would snuff out Roman imperial glory for good. It was to these unconquerable people, an ambitious Saxon monk from the Order of St. Benedict, Winifred, was called to preach the victory of Jesus Christ in 716. After a pilgrimage to Rome in 718, Winfred was renamed Boniface by Pope Gregory II. Despite the expansion of the Frankish kingdom's domain across the Rhine, Germania remained thoroughly pagan. If there was any acceptance of Christ, he was merely added to the pantheon of Norse gods rather than replacing them. In short, Germania was still ruled by demons. Into this world stepped Boniface. After preaching the gospel and slowly gaining converts among the Germanics, Boniface traveled to the great pagan shrine in Geismar in Haste. There, at Donner's Oak, the pagan priests offered sacrifices to their demon god Donner, better known to us as Thor. It was believed that if anyone profaned Thor's oak by touching it, the demon would strike that man down with a bolt of lightning from his hammer. Boniface reared back with his axe and took one single swing when a powerful wind came out of the heavens and blew the tree over. Astonished to see the impotence of their demon god, everyone present forsook their paganism and was baptized into Jesus Christ. One of the things that we got to get into, I feel like right off the bat, is it's not the whole purpose of writing the book, but you are <laughs> counter-signaling, at least to some extent, the Benedict option. So let's talk about that. The Boniface option, St. Boniface, all three of us are on board. We think that's the way to go, uh, that it's not just trying to avoid trash world, clown mm-hmm. world, uh, the demons of our age, the spirit of this age, but it actually needs to be confronted. We've got to chop down old Donner's oak. We, we got to sharpen the ax, chop it down. And that's only half of the story. We, we need to chop down the idols of our day, but then we also need to use, if God would be so kind, uh, the, the oak, the wood that of those demon gods that we confront and defeat, then use that to restore Christendom. We have to build. So we have to yeah. confront and then we have to build. And that's very, I mean, categorically different than just trying to avoid uh, the the craziness of our day. But that's the Benedict option in a nutshell. Rod yeah. Dreer, he wrote the book and you address him right, right out the gate in your yeah. book. So let's yeah. talk about that. What's the difference, Benedict and Boniface? And why does the Benedict option of avoiding these things, moving to the Shire, you know, the yeah. hobbits and, and thinking yeah. we can avoid Sauron, why does yeah. that fail? Oh, well, I think, you know, I think it fails. And, you know, to be fair to, um, to that, that book and that idea, uh, yeah, I think it was the very first one or very first foray into thinking through. Okay, we're in you know negative world as Aaron Aaron Wren you know uh, calls it, and this this world is bad. It's it's now anti Christian where it hadn't been before. And so here's the thing we should do: we should have intentional Christian communities and retreat to those communities. And that's that's a good idea. And and to that end, I'm 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 not against it. I think it's right. good. You should you should go to places where you could consolidate strength. And and there are. Um, obvious prudential reasons for doing that. Um, but it, it can't stop there. I remember reading the book, you know, six years ago now and you coming to the end of it and thinking, okay, then what? All right. Now we've done this. Now what? Right. You know, because they're not going to allow you to hole up in your nice intentional Christian community and leave you alone. That, right. That's not possible. They, the the people that, that rule over us, the people that are are driving trash world and have, have manufactured it and engineered it, um, they hate the gospel of Jesus Christ and they hate uh, Christian culture. They hate uh, they hate cultural Christianity, uh, and right. we think it's good. And they want to eradicate it. They want to completely wipe it off the face of the earth. They want to re-engineer a new kind of humanity, and they've successfully in 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 many instances done that. Um, and so if we want to preserve it and recover it, 
uh, we can't just hole up in these little places and then hope they forget about us. Right. Um, we have to be able to, okay, we've consolidated strength and now we strike out and, and confront them. And, and it, it doesn't, you know, it isn't just in this like military sense, like, yeah, we, we hole up in the mountains and then we fight back. Uh, it's, it's, um, in, in a culture war sense, in the, in the true sense of the term, not just in, in discussing abortion and homosexuality and things like that, but, but in, in having an actual competing culture that is, is confrontational to the one that is prevailing, right. uh, and, and building, building that up within ourselves. It's not, um, it, it isn't enough to see things are bad and then, and, and want to get away from them when, when that world still, it pervades everything. It's everywhere. It's on, on every screen that we have. It's, it's in the air that we breathe and, and the water that we drink. And so we can't, we can't avoid it. Even if we do hole up in our little Christian commune or, or if we move to Hungary, um, it, it will chase you down and get, if it doesn't get you, it'll get your children. Mm. And, and so it has to be fought, um, tooth and nail in, in every conceivable place that it exists. Um, right. and, and so that's, that's, that's more when I discuss, well, what is the Boniface option? It's, it's leaving this commune and fighting back, right? Mm-hmm. It's leaving the cloister of the monastery and, and, and beginning to fight back. And even, I mean, analogies can get kind of strained. Um, but I, I think it's a good one. Like even like the fact that the monasteries even existed, um, in, in like Dreer's book, like, how was St. Benedict able to set up this monastery in, in the first place and, and have all of these monks there and they're recording and, and preserving, you know, Western civilization by re- copying all these books and, and leading uh, and, and, um, and praying and worshiping and, and so forth. How are they allowed to do this? Well, it's because there were kings that protected them from barbarians that would ransack the place and kill all of them. Right. Um, so the Benedict option, it's, it, it only even succeeded or appeared to succeed because somebody else was playing the Boniface role. Yeah, that there was Christian power being wielded. I mean, some of it, it gets into like Christian nationalist kind of discussions. It's that right. though they had Christian princes that were protecting them. Right. Uh, that's, that's why it was able to work. And we don't, and, 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 and the analogy doesn't work as well because we kind of don't have that. We don't have um, any, any people with, with political or economic or cultural power that are our guys that are going to be the, the, the benefactor that um, allows us to have the monastery. So mm-hmm. even, even at that point, we have to at least to get to that point first before we can even begin to think about doing Benedict option stuff. And, and how do you get there? Well, you, you have to, um, you have to, to preach, you have to build Christian community and you have to raise men up to, to lead in this way. Right. And you know, with that, I, you know, I can't help but think like, if you did the Benedict option, number one, you don't have the Christian princes to protect you, uh, to even afford that to you. But let's say you find some small town that's off the radar mm-hmm. um, of, you know, the current regime and you go there. Well, it, it's like the moment that you start to succeed. So like if you actually did develop a community of believers uh, and you started to build and not just by planting a church, not just in the spiritual mm-hmm. sense, but the church being the beachhead is n- never yeah. anything less than that. It's the tip of the spear. Uh, our worship is warfare, but you plant the church, you're doing uh, Lord's Day worship. But then, you know, the men in this community are now starting businesses, you know, mm-hmm. and you're buying land and you're building houses and your wives are having children. You're not handing them over to Caesar in public schools. You're raising them up. Maybe you start a school, the whole nine yards, you're doing all of it. Um, if you do that and you do it well, uh, then, then what you've done is you've just painted a target on your chest. Like yeah. you're going to have resources um, b- because uh, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And if you sow poorly, you, you're going to reap nothing. Uh, but if you sow well by the grace mm-hmm. of God, then you're going to have a harvest. And so mm-hmm. if you go and you play the Benedict option and you play it well, and God blesses it, well, by by doing the Benedict option well, you now have resources where where everything in trash world is is meant like, like locusts to simply deplete resources. Yeah. So then you're going to be a lone island in the midst of, of a wasteland mm-hmm. that actually has resources. So then what did the locusts do? 
they're going to come for you. So yeah. you better be yeah. building walls. You better be building towers. Yeah. You yeah. better be, you know, uh, manufacturing artillery. And I'm speaking of all these things in a metaphorical sense, just yeah. for the record. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you, you better be, you better be ready to fight. Yeah. Because because even if you don't go looking for the fight, if you just seek to live, you know, quiet life, like the scripture mm -hmm. says, working with your hands. Well, here's the thing: um, people who who just are, you know, just go and deplete everything. Um, if you're building with your hands and you uh, they're not going to have anything. And when they run out, when they spend all the father's capital, mm -hmm. right? When, when they're done spending all of, of the resources afforded to them by a prior Christendom, and, and you're the only thing left that actually has reproduced and keep ma mm -hmm. making resources, um, then they're going to come and they're going to take that. They're going to take it through culture. They're going to take it through legislation. They're going to take mm -hmm. it through this, through that, uh, through tyranny. And so you, you, uh, you've got to be doing both. I can't, you know, I can't help but think of, you know, Nehemiah and Ezra, those mm -hmm. books of the Bible, but it's the sword and the trowel. And, it, you know, yeah. I, I was preaching this to my congregation recently and I said, look, um, the sword Sword really only exists at the end of the day. It only exists um, to serve the trout. It's all about the trout. It's about mm -hmm. building. The reason why you have the sword is not because you're excited about fighting um, yeah. and building. No, it's because you you want to build. But the moment you start building, mm -hmm. guys will come down from those on high and and say. You, you need to stop the work. You've got to stop. You can't build. Mm -hmm. So the reason why the sword exists is it's not that um, that that. Uh, fighting is the goal. Building is the goal. But those who build well will 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 garnish for themselves a fight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think also we to the point of the last episode. You know, we've got to have an honest appraisal of our current situation, right? Do we even have the people to have these like monasteries or communes and stuff like that? I think Trash World has its hooks in so many of us. Yeah, and we need to really recognize that. Mm -hmm. Are we even really in a position before we confront? Uh, the fake and gayness of trash world um, to, 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 to form these, these groups. I don't know if we do, you know what I mean? Right. We've got to actually defeat trash world first it, within yeah. in order to even get <laughs> right. started with stuff like that. If that's right. what you wanted to do. Right. No, it's, it, that's totally true. It's like you have to, um, if you're going to combat the spirit of the age, you've got to make sure that it doesn't have hooks in your own heart. Like uh, if you're going to combat, you know, um, LGBT, you know, LMNOP madness, mm -hmm. um, but you're looking at porn, right? You're going to be impotent in that fight. You've already cut your legs out from underneath you. You've already spiritually castrated yourself. And so like, so a lot of it starts with um, the church and its own repentance. Uh, part of the reason why we haven't had a good defense against trash world is because the evangelical church, like hook, line, and sinker, has taken the pages it out of the regime's book. It participated, mm -hmm. and uh, that they've found that, like trash world. Here's the thing about trash world: it works. Uh, now, it doesn't work for a thousand years, like Christendom. No. It doesn't no. work like building cathedrals over centuries. Uh, it doesn't work with longevity, but it mm -hmm. works really well. Um, for for the present it, it works really well if what you want is massive returns today without having to plant any seed for tomorrow mm -hmm. and and the reality is that um that we have you know loser theology this is what we're yeah. getting into the yeah. church has adopted loser theology so like so with the world, um, this this mentality of, you know, well, we're just going to live off of the, you know, the industrial revolution and all these, we're going to outsource all of our jobs now. Mm -hmm. and, and we're not thinking, or maybe we are, we, but we don't care. We don't care about yeah. what are our kids going to do for work? How are they going to feed their families? You know, these kinds of things, open borders, mm -hmm. uh, free trade without any limitations, all this kind of stuff, this, this globo homo, as you talk mm -hmm. about world, um, you know, that, that's, that's how the regime, you know, a pagan culture thinks, but the yeah. church has done it in the same way except the church just put some theological language on it. We call mm -hmm. it dispensationalism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that, yeah, but it yeah, is the yeah. same, it's yeah. the same thing. So there's, there's boomers, uh, there's the pagan version of boomer. Um, and then there's uh, the Christian version of boomer, but both have a bumper sticker uh, that says I'm spending my grandkids inheritance. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. You know, and so that's, so my point is like, when we think of taking trash world out of our own hearts, it's repenting of sin. It's, it's, it's uh, nipping pornography in the bud. It's those kind of things, but it's also uh, getting rid of, rid of this live for today, 100%. loser theology mm -hmm. mentality yeah. mm -hmm. that actually thinks in terms of legacy because Christians don't do that. They don't. Christians have become Gnostic. I would yeah. say that the dispensationalism might be the, the, the undergirding foundation, but, but, but 
Uh, that might be the root, but the f- different fruits that yeah. spring from dispensationalism would be, I would say, at least three. Gnosticism, mm-hmm. uh, nihilism, mm-hmm. um, and then also, uh, oh man, I had one more. I can't remember. Gnosticism, nihilism, oh, and pietism. Yeah. Pietism, yeah. All, all your isms. So Gnosticism, pietism, and, and nihilism spring from that disp- dispensational root. And it's, but when you take the fruit, it has different language. It has, you know, mm-hmm. theological underpinnings. But when you just look at the fruit, uh, th- there's very little difference from somebody who doesn't even profess to follow Christ. All right, I'm just going to say it. This show is fantastic. You know it's fantastic. I know it's fantastic. But I'm willing to admit there is one singular problem, the waiting zone, right? you got to wait a whole week for each new episode of this show to drop on Fridays at 4 p.m. Central Time. Unless you go on over to patreon.com forward slash right response ministries and then you'll be able to binge watch every single episode of an entire season all in one day so this is a season-based show right the whole idea is a deep dive on one singular topic so that you know everything there is to know each season comes out in a quarter right so a three-month period anywhere from probably eight to twelve episodes in a season and the moment that the first episode of a new season drops to the public then you can go over to patreon.com forward slash right response ministries and watch all of those episodes without having to wait week by week by week for the next episode to publicly drop so you know what to do don't waste any more time binge watch the whole season today yeah yeah and it, i i think a lot of it is it it's twofold i mean one is it's a ends up being a theological justification for just living like everybody else lives um but you just dress it up differently right right you're you're living you're basically in the same manner. Well, you, you go to your, you go to your job and you're building your 401k and you're, you're doing your, you're, you live in your suburb and the other guy's not a Christian, but you're, you basically functionally live almost the same lives, right. Um, in, in your, in your way of life and your manner of living. And, and, but you, at the end of the day, uh, feel okay about that because, you're told, well, this is a good and holy way to lot to live. Uh, this world is not my home. And so, right. uh, I'll, I'll be dead soon and in glory with heaven. So it doesn't matter what happens after I'm gone. And it, it allows you to neglect duties that you have to your posterity and, and also feel holy while you're doing it. I mean, I, I always remember uh, and think about a lot, um, you know, what Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees, when he, he, he says, you know, you, you tell a man uh, who has received his inheritance from his parents that, you know, the, the eldest son is supposed to receive a double inheritance. The, poor, the reason for that is, is the double inheritance doesn't just go to him because, oh, you're the oldest son and, and you're so special. Uh, but it's his duty to take care of his parents in their old age. Right. And the Pharisees would tell these guys, you can donate that whole sum of money to the temple uh, to spite your parents because you you hate them. They're really mean. And you want to spite them and just let them die in the gutter. And if you donate to the, that to the temple, that's that's Korban. That's holy. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a very holy thing in spiting your parents. And Jesus says, you're you're uh, violating the fifth commandment um, and, and teaching men how to disobey God, but look holy while you're doing it. Right. And a lot of our theology does the same thing mm-hmm. in, in evangelicalism today where you have clear, obvious duties both to the generation before you and the generation after that um, that here's a way for you to neglect them. They won't, Obviously, they won't say it that way, <laughs> but right. here's a way for you to live just like your neighbors live and all the other people in trash world live, and you can feel holy but while call doing it Christian. It. Here's yeah. a couple Bible and, verses and, you can put on that. And like you look in, in like Deuteronomy, it's interesting. I mean, again, this is this is you know old covenant law that isn't isn't any any longer binding on on the church, but it's still instructive. There's still wisdom there to to glean from it. And the in and I can't remember off the top of my head what chapter it is. Um, I think it's chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. Um, the list of people who are allowed in the assembly or not allowed in the assembly. Right. And the first two are that are, that are not allowed are um, bastards, illegitimate children and eunuchs. And you think about that for like a second and I think, well, why is that? Do they just really mean to these people who don't know their dads? And, 
and really mean to uh, to men who have been emas- like literally emasculated. That that seems really harsh and nasty to, for that law to be there. Why is God doing that? And and what the re- the wisdom there, the reason why is these are people who don't have a connection to their past, mm-hmm. um, right? They don't have a heritage that they can look to and say, "This is mine. These these are my. This is my family." And and then also on the other end, people that are incapable of having children, well, they don't have. Uh, a future that they're devoted to. Right. Either. They don't have a vested interest. Yeah. And so both those two groups, um, they don't look to the past. They don't look to the future and they're excluded from the body politic of, of ancient Israel. Yeah. They're and, not helping us make decisions. Yeah, right. And right. You think about they that. can live here. They'll be treated fairly, but yeah, they yeah. don't get a seat at the table. Yeah. And, and you, and you think about that and it's interesting that like all of virtually all the heads of state of, of Western Europe are all childless old people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, uh, or, um, or they're not from that place. The prime minister of, of Great Britain is not British. Uh, right. He's Indian. Um, and so it's, it's both of those cases, right? They don't have the heritage or they don't have the future. And those are the people, the very top making decisions. And, and we reflect that a little bit in, in America too, um, where um, you have people that are totally divorced from, um, the, the natural way of the world of um, both a heritage and history and, and a future. And that's largely part of our evangelical theology. We, we don't think about those things at all. It's just, it's hyper individualized and it is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Then you're going to heaven. Nothing else matters. Yep. Um, and and for us, it's it. both. It's not like that we have bastards and then we have eunuchs. We have, uh, we have individuals, not just in America, but even within evangelicalism, the church, who are both bastards and eunuchs. On the bastard side, um, they hate their heritage. They actually yeah. have a heritage, yeah, but, they, uh, but they hate it. They despise they've it. They've made themselves that way. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they, they actually do have a heritage. They have a history, but they hate it. And then on the eunuch side of the equation, looking forward to posterity in the future, um, I would say it's not necessarily hatred, but it's indifference. Yeah. So, so it's just a complete apathy, a complete uh, lack of compassion and love for uh, future generations. So there's hatred uh, looking back in terms of heritage, and then there's indifference looking forward uh, to posterity. So you have, you know, um, uh, heritage hating bastards who are simultaneously um, uh, future legacy in, you know, apathetic, indifferent uh, eunuchs. And, and that's, and that's who we have running the show. And that's not just who we have running the show when it comes to our body politic as a nation, but that's also uh, those who have the chief seats. In many ways that describes those who have the chief seats uh, at the evangelical table who are running the show for for the church. It almost makes me much more angry with, with um, our, our sort of reformed brethren that have the same attitude. Cause at least with dispensationals, I can kind of understand, you know, Jesus is coming tomorrow. So I guess I could excuse you for not caring about tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But for a lot of these like guys, you know, that, you know, they think they're Amil because they don't know what they think, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) They just just say Amil. You you know what I mean? There's, there's people that are Amil for good reasons, but a lot of them aren't. Um, you're almost more mad at them because it's like you don't really have the excuse that right. the yeah. dispensationalists have, you know? Right. Well, and you, and yeah. you have this heritage of, of reformed theology where it is it is so rich and it, it it's in the real world, yeah. in the historical world this way where people thought this way and lived this way. And they just kind of like, you know, go to the cafeteria and pick up the stuff about soteriology yeah. and things like that <laughs> that they want, but they neglect all yeah. the rest of it. Right. And, uh, and And it's like, no, you gotta, it's, it's a, an entire package that you yeah, gotta take right. and, and they don't, yeah, they don't. I mean, I, I, it was funny, you know, this week, um, and you know, the week that we're recording these is, is way off in the past once the viewer watches <laughs> these, but this week there were, you know, some of the G3 guys were, went on a tour of like Scotland and, and all of these, you know, uh, historic reformation churches. And, and the irony of course is like you would condemn these guys for building these big, beautiful cathedrals because that's not very holy. That's not, you're, right. you're built, you're contributing to cultural Christianity. That mm. is, that is bad. And, and, and yet like, that's the only reason that we sit here and even have the same or anything closely resembling the same theology as these guys is because they built all this stuff and they carried it forward generation after generation after generation until we got to this place here today. And now we're just like, ah, well, you know, we're only worried about heaven right now and yeah. spiritual formation and, and these earthly things, these are not really our concern. We shouldn't care about it. And, and you just, you just care too much about politics and you care too much about culture war. You really need to worry about the holiness of God. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing to me because you know you mentioned earlier you know the, you know Earth is not my home. This is not my home. But, you, but God put you here. This yeah. is your home. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is what are you. you talking about? Like and right now, this is your home. And he's going to come back and bring that's right. heaven down to earth that's and right. unite them together. <laughs> the he, meek. Jesus won the world on right. the cross for himself. <laughs> right. It is your home. Jesus the meek watch shall this inherit world. the earth. Yeah. Like you know, not just the 17th dimension. Christ has all authority on earth and in heaven. Yeah. yeah but a lot of it, it, it is bad theology. But if we're thinking chicken or the egg, I really, you know, if I had to bet, I was a betting man. Um, I don't think it's <laughs> that we're working directly from the text. And that's yeah. why we don't care about the world. Um, I think it's, uh, no, that's the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. we so. just want to be like them. Um, we've adopted, you know, trash world mentality, and then and then we made the text, you know, fit that yeah. equation. Yeah, so, we'll give it a biblical justification forever, whatever way we want to live. Right, and you're right. That's that's a lot of what it is, and especially like the the more big Eva types. That's the entire ball game right. for them is uh, finding a Bible verse. I mean, if you could talk about uh, finding the gospel in Taylor Swift, well, that's why uh, they do that stuff. Like, Cause yeah, yeah. that's exactly why they do it. Yeah. Cause they're, they're after the consumeristic zoomer girl who is all like, we'll spend $3,000 to go see nosebleed. You know, have nosebleed tickets for Taylor Swift. And it's like, ah, we, we could get those people in, you know, like it's, right. a, it's a marketing thing. And, and they know, they know this is how people tick and you don't want to offend people and say, uh, the way the entire way of life that you're living is um, insane. It's fake. It's gay. You need to you need to hate it. Right. Uh, they don't they don't want to say that. They'll say right. just live exactly how you always have, but just add Jesus. Right. Fine. In terms of marketing, for lack of a better word, it is marketing. Uh, the church shouldn't be so concerned about it, but but it is. And reform guys are are no exception. Um, but in terms of marketing, you know, I've noticed, and I know you guys have picked up on this also, but I've noticed over the past few months, part of it is who you're marketing to. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I when I look at like a lot of a lot of evangelicalism, and sadly even within the reform camp, um, they're marketing to women. So like mm-hmm. when it comes to their audience, so part of it is bad theology. It's dispensationalism. It's Gnosticism. It's nihilism. And we can maybe define those terms here in a moment. But uh, part of it is bad theology. But then part of it also is uh, not just what you believe, but who you're trying to reach. Yeah. And when it comes to who they're trying to reach, they're trying to reach women. Um, and so mm-hmm. when when you're trying to reach women, um, you don't necessarily talk about you know um, swords. You don't necessarily talk about fighting. You don't talk about <laughs> yeah. warfare. You don't talk about hatred. Um, you don't talk about those kinds of things because that's not really a winning, compelling recipe for, um, for, you know, persuading women to come to your conferences and to read your blog, you know, and buy your next book and those kinds of things. So if, if women are your market, um, then, then the idea of like, this world is not my home that I'm going to be swept up. I'm going to be rescued. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause a woman wants to be rescued, you know, yeah. so I'm going to be yeah. swept up. Right. So I'm in the dungeon tower right now, guarded mm-hmm. by a dragon. And, mm-hmm. and what does success look like? Uh, well, for, for the damsel in distress, for her success, it, it looks like uh, being taken out of the dungeon uh, back to, you know, this, this palace in the clouds, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. whereas like for a man, what success looks like is kicking down the gates of hell. That's and, right. And, going and, uh-huh. the dragon. and killing the dragon. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And getting the girl. Yeah. And so I think for the church has been feminized for so long, uh, that that is a lot of. I mean, that, that's where your attendance comes from. Like, like I saw, you know, footage from um, the Gospel Coalition Conference and it's, it's all women. It's, yeah. it's young women. women. Old men. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's young yeah. women and old men. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, if that was my target market, um, then, then I would not talk the way that I'm talking. I mean, yeah. that would be suicide, yeah. you know? But I think that's part of it is um, th- there's, there are bad theological underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also, I think, just um, a, bad, um, a bad market, a bad that we're going for men, not because we mm-hmm. like men more than women. We're not gay, you know, but like it's, but it's, <laughs> you know, we're going for men because that's how you get the women and yeah. children. We know that if yeah. we can get men, um, and then, and then the men that we're going for, the men who have already been Christianized in our modern, you know, culture that's that's off the rails of what Christian actually means, uh, the men who have already been one have uh, many of them have been spiritually castrated. Yeah. So a lot of the men that that you know the three of us appeal to and the various things that we do, whether it's writing or podcasting, <clears throat> whatever, um, a lot of them are non-Christian men. 
Yep. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like frequently the emails that I get are not from Christian men. They're yeah. from non-Christian men um, who are, you know, their, their ears are perking up and they're like, wait, yeah. wait a second. Wait, oh, and they have yeah. questions and they want, yeah. and so it's, it's funny because that's another thing that big Eva will boast of is evangelism. But yeah. I feel like they do very little. So they're trying to evangelize the, uh, the, the, the by, you know, uh, female Zoomer uh, mm -hmm. with the Taylor Swift article. <laughs> yes. uh, but we're trying to evangelize uh, this, you know, 45 year old man who goes to the gym every single day, uh, who doesn't want to eat the bugs, who shoots guns and actually has a wife and children uh, who may go to church, but he doesn't go with them yeah. because the church isn't for him. And we're saying, no, yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, and I think that's, uh, yeah, that's I a mean, valuable endeavor. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king. Civilian ownership of body armor is about helping people to have increased power to resist tyrants and criminals. And so Armored Republic is about helping you to preserve your God-given rights to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the king of kings and he governs kings and he will judge them. This is Armored Republic and in a republic, there is no king but Christ. We are free craftsmen and we are honored to be your armor spread of choice. You know, uh, the last episode, Edie talked about kind of his story. Like mine, mine is somewhat similar. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, but, you know, in high school and early in college, I was, you know, I, I was mostly living like everybody else, you know, and, and uh, in the, in the dorm room, uh, in, in, in my dorm, there were, there was a group of guys that had a Bible study uh, and they were associated with Campus Crusade. And it was, it was interesting because my, my association with, with church, with like youth group and things like that is, um, these were not like, you know, high status guys. These were like the nerds that were playing magic cards before, before school sure, every yeah, day. Yeah, mm -hmm. And it wasn't like the football players and like the guys that I liked. Right. And, uh, and you don't mean magic tricks with playing cards. You mean the, like magic, the, the, the magic, gathering. The, like, I don't know. I don't know what it was called. Uh, then, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Just like they were into Dungeons and Dragons right. and they, you know, they were not the cool yeah. crowd. Right. And, uh, and they were, they're all kind of wimpy and, and all of that. And, but I, I get to college and there's this, this Bible study in my, on my dorm floor and all the guys in it, like one of them was an all American pole vaulter. And uh, <laughs> another one was a Marine that had just come back from Iraq. And, uh, a bunch of other guys were uh, in in the military too, and it's like they were. It was all men, like right. actual men. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I like these guys. These guys, I want to be like them. Yeah. I want them to yeah. like me. Uh, you know, like like things like that. And it was and 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 they like the Bible too. That's interesting because I've never associated <laughs> men that I can respect with uh, liking the Bible. You right. know, or peer or at least peers that I respect liking the Bible. And, and I was hooked, you know, I'm, I'm with these guys. And, and from, from then on in college, I, I, you know, spent time with these guys and, and was, was part of the ministry and all of that. And, and, and kind of the rest is, is now history. And that's what, what brought me in because it was actual men. It was guys that, that I, I liked and, and did man stuff. And, right. um, and so you see that, like, that's what brought me in. <laughs> and, um, and I've always kind of had that in the back of my head when you see how feminized uh, the church is and how men are expected to leave aside any, any form of masculinity um, at the door, right? You're supposed to, you're always supposed to speak nice and be very, very sweet and gentle all the time. You can't ever like, argue something strenuously you can't you can't like care about politics that's very bad and especially mm -hmm. where i'm from in in the upper midwest everyone is nice everyone is expected to be nice and inoffensive and you don't ever argue with anyone about anything right it's the most passive aggressive state well, you're just country. supposed to talk about your future rescue yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly. about it yeah you know? right and and you you and then of course in, in worship you just sing all of these songs which are you know, songs to boyfriend Jesus and, mm. uh, and you, you really are just, um, gelded right there in the church. And so regular men that I know that don't go to church, um, 
they see that. And I, I tell them, well, you should go to church. And they, in their mind, they associate church with just totally emasculated, wimpy men that they could not respect. Right. And um, that, you know, has to, <laughs> has to totally change in, right. in, yeah. in the way of doing things. And I, I think it is. I think the, the things that, that we're doing, many of the guys that, that, um, uh, that we know, that, that we, you know, go to their conferences, things like that, many of our friends, they're doing that exact same thing. They're appealing to men and they're not doing it. I mean, they would, they're accused of this, but they're not doing it in this performative way. Like right. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be like uh, stone cold, Steve Austin, smash two beer cans on my right, head right, right. and then shoot a bunch of guns, you know? And it's like, like they think it's like that. Like, yeah. the, um, but the reality is it's like, no, I, I just do regular guy stuff. Um, I, I like the same things other men do and I can have conversations with regular men and and yeah, you get all sorts of non-Christian guys who are like, whoa, this, this guy's a normal guy. Right. <laughs> this is a normal man. He's not uh, what I thought he was. Right. And, and, all, and the men in my church are the, the same way. You know, they, they see that it's not just these wimpy, emasculated men that are expected to behave like women once you become a Christian. Right. Um, you can be a virtuous, godly man and still remain a man. Yeah, we're supposed to be converted from sinners to saints, not converted from uh, men to women. Yeah, but it, that's what it's become. It, you know, you, this that has to change, and and I think like you have to recognize as a as a pastor when you do preach, you're preaching the words of God, yeah. and if you're doing it from this sort of like oh you know like that kind of a way, yeah, that's not how God yeah. is. Yeah, right. And when you're yeah. pastoring his flock, you, you you're you're working for the Lord. He's got authority, and he's yeah. and he's delegated some to you, and yeah. and to do this in 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 a way that is just, you know, trying to make the people that want to go to the Taylor Swift conference feel good about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It, you, it's, a, it's a failure. It's yeah. a total failure. Yeah. Um, right. And so, you know, look, I'm not going to say like, you know, when you, when you get a new pastor candidate, you got to get his T levels checked first. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but what I am saying though, is that the way that th that's done and presented and, and mm -hmm. all of these things, your tone, mm -hmm. it has to be appropriate for what your job is. Yeah. And men go to this and they're like, you say you're, I'm hearing from God right now. And yeah. I've got this guy in, in the skinny jeans and the yeah. weird, you know, V-neck shirt. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Yeah. Right. And you know right. what? I can't blame him. Yeah. Right. God seems pretty yep. wimpy to yeah, me. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, like that, if you're representing God and you, you speak that way, I mean, you look at, at Jesus, uh, the thing that stood out to the people before he even did miracles mm -hmm. was he went into the synagogue and he spoke with authority. Yeah. Right. They, they couldn't believe it. It's like, whoa, <laughs> right. who is this? Right. Uh, and that's, that's what our, our pastors, our leaders should be like. They should speak like God does. You yeah. read how God speaks and he is a, a father. He is, he is, he is God. He, he speaks firmly and he, mm -hmm. and of course he, he is, is also gentle and, and loving and kind. Yes. Uh, uh, in, in the right occasions, but most of the time it's, this is what you've done. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to repent. Yeah. Peter, and, Peter in his epistles, he says like, let the one who speaks, right? There are various mm -hmm. gifts, one spirit, but the, the one who speaks, let the one who speaks, speak as though he is speaking the very oracles of God. And so like yeah. in that, you know, for a long time, I think part of this comes uh, back to um, authenticity. Authenticity has been heralded as far more of a virtue than I think it actually is supposed to yeah. be. Um, you know, like I, I forget who said it. it may have been Chesterton probably, you know, when in doubt you can go with him, but, uh, <laughs> but that, you know, that, that, uh, hypocrisy is vices tip of the hat to virtue. Yeah. Right. That we actually don't have nearly as much hypocrisy in our culture today as yeah. I would like. And let, yeah. let me qualify that statement. Yeah. What I'm saying is this, <laughs> one, of, one yeah. of the good things about cultural Christianity is that there were a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. And I mean, that was a good yeah, thing. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. that means is that de degenerates had to go around publicly pretending to be civil people. Yeah. Because, yeah. because blatant, authentic degeneracy would not serve you well. Yeah. It would not play well. You would yeah. lose clients. You would, like, there would Society be. expects you to behave in that's this way right. and present this image. That's right. That, that's, that pervades everything. And now that's gone. And where we are today, yeah. exactly where we are today, it doesn't even require hypocrisy. And again, I'm using this, you know, this old famous quote to say, again, to define hypocrisy is hypocrisy is vice's tip of the hat. It's yeah. vice's salute. Yeah. Uh, it's vice's homage to virtue. Uh, but when you live in a world that actually calls 
evil good it's and inverted. good evil, yeah. Yeah. right? Then then vice no longer has to to even pretend to yeah. to be virtue or salute virtue, uh, because vice has become uh, it, yeah. it, it is a virtue itself. And so all that being said, my point is authenticity. You know, be real, man. That was a yeah. big thing for a long time. Was don't be a hypocrite, right? Yeah. So be yeah. real, and that yeah. seeped into the church yeah. with you know with pastors and with preaching. And mm-hmm. so it began. Don't don't preach at me, man. Don't preach at yeah. me. Just yeah. talk to me. And it yeah. even yeah. shaped in a, in a physical sense, uh, a literal sense. It shaped the pulpit. Um, mm-hmm. To where pulpits were replaced with, you know, side table, um, you know, and and a pastor stopped, you know, standing. And I understand we have a side table right here, but there's a hypocrisy yeah. thing, you know, it's the tip down. of the hat, yeah. you know, but the point is this, you know, but we're not, this is not a sermon. This is a podcast. This yeah, is a yeah, discussion, yeah, yeah. but I'm talking Sunday morning, the Lord's yeah. day in the congregation, in the mm-hmm. church, the guy's got the side table. Uh, he doesn't have a, a pulpit. He's not standing. He's mm-hmm. sitting. He's got a coffee mug. Uh-huh. On, on the table with him. Um, he's got an iPad instead uh-huh. of instead of the good book, you know, uh-huh. and uh, there's, you know, screens and all those kinds of, nobody brings their Bible anymore uh-huh. because you've got it on the screen, it's those kinds of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's, and he would even say things like this. He'd be like, Hey, if this is your first time coming to the church and if you're not a believer, you know, you're new to Christianity, those kinds of things. I want to just, you know, put you at ease right out yeah, of the yeah, gate. Yeah. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm just going to share with you. Yeah. And then, and then he proceeds to, to give one of the most blatantly arrogant talks. I won't call it a sermon because it's not that yeah. you could possibly imagine because the whole thing's about him yeah the whole thing is not arrogant in the sense that that his tone is elevated it's not no. arrogant in the sense that he says i know i'm right he'll he'll, he'll never even make a statement it'll always be qualified with well i think or i feel mm. but but here's the thing that makes it arrogant i i i i i mm. and it's personal story after personal story mm-hmm. and and you see this dominating western culture especially in europe i remember uh, my wife and i visiting ireland and there was a guy that i met and he, he seemed like a sweet guy but that was the problem he was too sweet you know and and he found out that, that we were from California. We were living in California at the time and his son and his wife were there with him. And so they were really excited because we we're from Southern California. So they, they thought, you know, or at least thought it was possible that maybe we were celebrities or that we knew a celebrity, you know, and he's got his son there, you know, and they watch American movies. And so he's like, do you, uh, have you, you know, met Brad Pitt, you know, or like, you know, you're from California. And, and like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we, we have lunch But then, you know, week. when I made made it abundantly clear that, that I was a nobody and that I knew no, nobody, um, you know, then I started asking him questions about Ireland and their culture and things going on in Europe. And it was fun, like I'm asking him questions that he, he clearly knew the answer to. But every time he answered me, every time he spoke... Um, his inflection would go up at the end. So, so he would, and, and he would add the words, is it? So I'd ask a question like, you know, who, um, I don't know, what, whatever is, you know, is Southern Ireland uh, predominantly Protestant or is it predominantly Catholic? And he said, well, it's, it's predominantly Catholic, isn't it? And I was like, I asked you, like, <laughs> what are you asking he, me? <laughs> right, but like, and I and I could tell. Wait, no, that's just the way he speaks. That is yeah. him giving an a, a answer. It's not a question. He's making a statement. But even when he makes a statement, he has to put yeah. it in the form of of a question so he's because he can't dominate any sense of certainty. <laughs> because that's what we've done is we we started defining arrogance as certainty. Yeah. If you're certain, you're prideful, and then we and then yeah. we defined humility as uncertainty. So how yeah. do how do you humility is a virtue, pride is a vice. So how how do you have have humility um you have to say i think or it might be or it could be or you know it's yeah. and, and yeah. so all that all that being said it seeped into our pulpits to where you know in the name of authenticity i'm not going to preach i'm just going to share but the bible and i remember this being so convicting for me um because i started preaching like that you know when yeah. i was younger but the bible says let the one who speaks if you're going to speak yeah. especially as the preacher representative of christ on the lord's day administering word and sacrament let mm. him speak as though he's speaking the oracles of god and if you think about the oracles of God and you don't know, then yeah. sit down yeah. Then don't speak yeah. at all. Yeah. So, so when I get in the pulpit and I get that comment a lot of times, but like YouTube, 80% of our YouTube followers are men. And every now and then in the comments, you know, the, the 20% of the women who, who pipe in, uh, they'll say, well, you're too forceful or it's too elevated or it's too certain. It's too dogmatic. And I'll say, um, that's then you just don't understand preaching. Yeah, that's that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's masculine and it's supposed to be um, because not just because I'm a man and God made me to be a man, uh, but God God has called men to the pulpit. Yeah, and and He's called men to be masculine in the pulpit. And it's not just about masculinity, but it's about heralding the very oracles of God. When when the the herald goes out in the town speaking for the king, he says, "Hear ye, hear ye." Yeah. The king says he doesn't say, yeah. "Hey guys, so I've been thinking." 
drinking lately. <laughs> Anyways, I'll stop. But well, you're, you're right though. I mean, that's that's what we've done, and um, the even the denominations that are you know, nominally against uh, you know ordaining women, uh, they've just ordained women of the opposite sex. Right. Right. That's that's right. what they've done. It is. They they have these these pastors who speak like they're women. There's there's this uncertainty and there and and that's you know heralded as a virtue, um, and because it doesn't offend anyone. Right. That's that's the point. You don't want anyone's feathers ruffled ever. You want to feel affirmed. You want to feel good. You don't want anyone challenging you, and you know as a result, yeah, you'll have lots of people in your churches, but they're not being discipled. They're not they're not growing. They're not they're not challenging anything in the world around them. They're just being told you're totally fine because you believe in Jesus. And that's really what matters. That, right. th- and that's the key right there. So you don't even have to be preaching a theology of losing to have a loser kind of theology yeah. about you. Because if you're preaching, it is not causing the people in your church to go out there and, you know, to fell these oaks. Right. Yeah. Then then what what's the point? What's What good is yeah. it really? So they're right. safe for eternity yeah. and no one's denying that. Yeah. But what about our home here? What about yeah. our, our yeah. duties here? Um, and so uh, even good theology presented as a loser um, is, is still a yeah. loser theology. You're right. Yeah. And, and what about the people who, um, you know, a hundred years from now are not going to be saved because That's right. you allowed Christian civilization to burn down. That's and right. And thought it, installing Sodom and Gomorrah was fine because you personally were saved. Yeah. And your flock. Yeah. But what about the next one? Yeah. Right. And the next one after that. Yeah. Right, in hundred years, are the people in your church? Is your church still going to exist in hundred years after you're dead? And what are they going to be believing? Is your community around you still going to exist? Like right. that, these are not questions that are even pondered because we don't care about this stuff. Because that that would require us to begin to be much more bold and to speak with authority. Uh, I've been I've been preaching you know through the book of Acts and just the beginning parts of Acts right after the Spirit comes and the word that is repeated again and again and again and again is boldness and great boldness came upon the boldness earth. and i and i think about that and I, I i think about it in the context of american evangelicalism today who we don't have bold mm-hmm. pastors at all i remember um you know when i was in in moscow doug wilson would uh uh talk about this story about a, a british uh, bishop um you know reflecting on on the apostle paul i think it's some guy in the 19th century and he says you know wherever the apostle paul went there would either be a revival or a riot. And wherever I go, they serve tea. Mm. And it's like that. I mean, so it isn't just like in the last century that this has happened. This has been the case for a while that um, we, you know, churchmen, uh, pastors, leaders in the church are expected to be inoffensive, expected not to step on anyone's toes and, and functionally the opposite of boldness. Right to not have any boldness at all. Because if you have boldness, you are going to offend people. You're going to make people mad. You're going to upset the ladies. Uh, like, like the thing you said, like you're going to be told that's, that's too, that's too strong. You're too aggressive. That that's turning people off. That's too certain, too dogmatic. Yeah. And it's like, well, what was Peter <laughs> when right. he's preaching? Like, what was he? You know, he goes to the, he goes to the Sanhedrin. Right, this that, Jesus that you crucified. Yeah, they, they right to their faces. He's right in front of the Sanhedrin who had just killed Jesus. He says, you killed him. And right. we're not going to stop talking about him. And we don't care if you kill us too. Right. Right. Uh, whoa. Um, can I talk that way? Uh, do we have any men that talk that way at all? I No, we don't. We should. And 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 if God is gracious to us, we will one day. But that's the thing that, that brings in uh, people that don't know the Lord at all. Like we have this kind of managerial Christianity. Yes. Where it's you inherit a church and you just kind of maintain it. You don't want to push anybody out or step on any toes or do anything that upsets the apple cart. But then there are thousands, millions of, of people who have some sense of, of God, right? They, if you ask them, I mean, especially where I am all the, you know, all the way through the Midwest, um, it's not very high church attendance, but if you ask people, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you going to heaven? They would say, yeah, yeah, absolutely I do. Well, when's the last time you went to church? Well, if you don't count weddings, maybe five or six years ago at Easter, you know, like that, they, they don't go to church at all and they don't go for the reasons that we're talking about. And and you see this, but they, they, they care deeply about so many things, especially you see this after, you know, the all the political things that have happened in the last, right. you know, six, seven years. Um, they care a lot about this stuff and the church has nothing to say to men 
like that at all. And they so have you, something to say. They have disdain for men yes, like that. They Ru- do have Ru- Russell right. Moore yeah. hates those kind of yeah. men. You right. are bad. Yeah. You are bad. And if you want to go to heaven, you need to repent of being that way. You need That's to repent right. of being men that care about your country. Right. And and I look at it, I, I see um, you know, the following that 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 each of us have and many of our friends have is because we um can reach men like that and say, no, you you should care about your country. You right. should care about your communities. You should care about all these things. You don't have to pretend to not care about those in order to be a Christian. Right. Um, Jesus cares about those things a lot. Mm-hmm. And so come, right. <laughs> so come, come to church. And, and, and uh, Lord willing, there will be many, many, many more churches uh, with that kind of vision that are planted that can reach these people. Cause I, I just see, you know, fields ripe for the harvest. Oh, 100%. And yep. we are not doing it. And it, it and it breaks my heart uh, because yep. these are men that desperately need the church and desperately they can be they can be one too and and yeah. what they see is is guys like Tim Keller and Russell Moore hating yeah. on them that's what they see yeah and, and they're then, and they're acolytes in the in the local level that, that's yeah. right if, yeah. and then if if by some miracle their kids go to VBS one day and they're convinced to come to a Sunday mm. a service what they see is the same exact thing yes. from their acolytes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the problem why we're not winning them is because we have the wrong message. We don't have courage. Uh, part of it also is like, I think geographically we're in the wrong places. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. so when I think of like, you know, the fields being white for the harvest, um, I think a lot of those, those ripe fields are uh, in flyover country. Mm-hmm. It's the Neanderthal. The person despised by you know the sophisticated you know like, yeah it's, it's you there you go you know it's me you know but like no but ser- like seriously it's the you know it's the Not person me, I live in New England yeah, so. there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like but those that harvest that's so ripe right now it's um it's a bunch of people on the far right you know it's yeah. a bunch of uh you know red pilled you know millennials and zoomers it's mm-hmm. um it's a bunch of blue collar you know guys who work at a factory you know it, it's guys in texas and oklahoma you know in minnesota and these different places and um and part of the reason we're not reaching them is because we don't have men in the pulpit uh, not mm-hmm. in the truest sense uh, but also because uh you know whatever pulpits are filled are always on the coast because that's where the elites are. That's where the, the the chief seats of power um, is. And so like, like if you think of the um, just think in the last 20 years alone, how much effort, how many different crusades, uh, different strategies, how many dollars have been pumped into one goal um, evangelizing the left. Yeah. Reaching the left missions towards uh, blue cities in and for the city, church planting in urban places. All these places are progressive. Yeah. Right. So it's all right. You you can be in and for the world, in and for the city. You just can't be in and for, you know, a nation. But like, you know, all, you know, that's the one thing that's not allowed. (laughs) Of course not. But at every level, my point is like, um, it's, it's not that, um, it's not, you know, somebody said like, well, you, you, you're, you're abandoning the mission. Right. When I, when I moved to Texas from California, I wrote, you know, yeah. the book, you know, fight by flight, you're abandoning the mission, you're abandoning the loss. And I was like, uh, well, dude, um, this may be a shock for you. you. You may be hearing it for the first time, but, um, there are, there are lost people in Texas. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. And here's the thing about the lost people in Texas. Um, some of them actually give me the time of day. Yeah. And the lost people yeah. that you're trying to reach, you know, in, in the Manhattan or wherever, you yeah. know, that, um, yeah. they, they don't listen to you. No. So lost people in Texas will actually come mm-hmm. and visit my church. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but the lost people that you're supposedly, you know, uh, care so much about, they hate you. And and yeah. I understand that we're called to love our enemies and pray mm-hmm. for those who persecute us. But but Jesus also did have something to say about those who hate you to a certain point that there is a, a line where you yeah. shake the dust off your feet and you say, well, good riddance. So anyway, so I yeah. think like you know, re- reaching these people, one, you, you got to be the man to reach the men. You got to mm-hmm. be a man to reach men. But then two, you need to go where men are. And mm-hmm. I think of like, you know, John the Baptist, you know, when Jesus is talking about him, he's like, uh, what did you go out into the desert to see? Right. Did you go to see a man, you know, Malakoy? Did you go to see a man who's dressed in soft clothing? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to find a man like that, go look for a politician. Right. Yeah. They live in yeah. palaces. Yeah. They're princes They're you know, um, but you went into the it's wilderness. You yeah. went into, yeah. you know, you went into flyover country, mm-hmm. the fields, the factories with the blue collar mm-hmm. uh, to find a man, a man yeah. who wears camel skin. He's eating locusts, you know, and he mm-hmm. preaches. He doesn't share. Mm-hmm. So like, so my whole point is to say that like, um, my whole point is just to say that if one, you need to be a man, if you're going to yeah. reach men, but then you also need to go where men are. 
Uh, men are not, and I mean geographically, for the most part, obviously there are exceptions, but in general, <laughs> masculine men with high T levels do not live on the coast in our current culture. Yeah, yeah, that, that's not what attracts them there. Yeah, certainly. Well, yeah. But yeah. they would be disdained there. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. not opportunity yeah. for them there. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. like, they're actually welcomed in Kansas. Like they yeah. can be a king in their small town in Kansas, yeah. uh, but they would be chastised ev every five minutes uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah. if they were working at some firm in, in Manhattan. And oh, so, yeah. Yeah. so anyways, all that being yeah. said, like, I think there is a ripe harvest, but the ripe harvest I think right now is primarily, um, it's, it's primarily has to do with uh, masculine young men who are fed up with the world. They're angry. They've been mm -hmm. exasperated by their fathers. Uh, they want a future for their posterity. They want to get to own a home like their parents mm -hmm. did. They want to be able to have kids like their parents did. They know it's impossible. Our, our whole legal system prefers women over mm -hmm. them. They mm -hmm. know that the moment that they marry and have their first kid, uh, that, that it uh, very possibly um, that, that they're setting the stage for potentially uh, to go to jail for their lives to be ruined. Yeah. That, that person um, I think is, and they're going to Andrew Tate and they're going to Joe Rogan and they're going to Rolo Tomasi. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because, um, because the, the, the Christian pastors won't, won't yeah. actually address trash world. Yeah. They don't know what time it is. Those guys have something to say and they live in the the actual reality that these young men inhabit and the pastors all they have to say to them is well have you tried being more holy? Right. You know, have yep. you tried have yeah. you tried thinking about Jesus a little bit more? And and that that doesn't that's not uh it's it's certainly a practical solution to their 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 final destination in heaven. Uh but it it's not a practical solution to their actual life as they live it now and and men don't want to listen to that. That's why they will go to these, these pagan men. And that's the pietism, uh, yeah. the pietism, but it's not just, just real quick. It's not uh, have you thought about being holy? Cause I don't want to pit holiness. No, no, no. Against yeah. because the reality is like, have you thought about Jesus a little bit more? Cause what I would actually say, you know, you mentioned that what I would say to the, some of these pastors, I say, you need to think about Jesus a little bit more. Yes. You're not yes. thinking about Jesus, not the whole Jesus, not, yeah. not Jesus Christ, the God man. Uh, yeah. Jesus. And so all that being said, there's the disconnect because we're not saying there's holiness or what we're offering over here. And, and we think this trumps holiness. You should choose no. this yeah, instead yeah, yeah. of, no, we're saying that a full orbed holiness uh, comes out of, like Doug would say, comes out of your fingertips. Yeah. A full orbed holiness is not, um, is not Gnostic. It's not just spiritual with no physical implications. When a man is truly holy, um, and he's a kind of man inwardly in terms of his spirit. Uh, he has grit. He loves the Lord with all his heart. And he hates that which is evil, like Josiah. Um, that kind of man spiritually is a protector and a provider. Yes. And when he's spiritually down in his soul, a protector and provider, uh, then that starts to have physical ramifications. Yeah. Physically, he stops being weak and fat. Um, uh, uh, physically, he gets a job and tries to perform. Uh, physically, he might have a gun. Yeah. Like, those, yeah. like those, so it's or maybe a couple. Yeah, yeah. Or a couple, yeah. you know, <laughs> so these things are, are intrinsically connected and I'm not saying yeah. those things are the soul marks of holiness. No, of not. no, I'm saying yeah. holiness is deep within it's Christ likeness. It's sanctification being formed more and more into the image of Christ. But for a man, when he seeks Christ likeness, um, it very much intrinsically involves uh, protection and provision. Yes. And when he be, is shaped first inwardly in his soul to be a protector and provider, um, the guy who, who's shaped like that, but there's no physical signs of that protection and provision, uh, then I feel like James would have a few words with him. He would yeah. say, yeah. well, wait a second. Faith without the works, works is, is dead. dead. Let so. me say this. I'll, I'll tell you what's going on in New York because I lived there for eight years in New York City. And um, there are good churches in New York City, but they're mm -hmm. small outposts and they're yeah. not, you know, they're not, you know, thriving, let's say. You're not growing, you know, that kind of, of thing. They're not thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. But the reality is nobody wants to feel like a loser. So a lot of these bigger churches, I think of Tim Keller's church, and there's a few others, they're growing and they seem to be thriving numbers wise. Yeah. But the way they did it is essentially by 
essentially firming the foundations of trash world. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. they bring it into there. They, 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 they're consumeristic. They, they, they want to comfort people in their sin. That's why there's so many stories. You can see endless stories like this of the woman, you know, a reporter who attended Tim Keller's church and she's like the most pro abortion advocate ever, but she felt yeah. totally comfortable at, at Tim Keller's, at Keller's church. church. She scored yeah. a 100 yeah. on, on the, yeah. Completely comfortable there. That, yeah. that example could be multiplied a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. The reality is that 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 the loser theology it pervades almost everything, and in these these kinds of churches that are they they think they're evangelizing the lost, the lost is evangelizing them is what's really yeah. happening, right? Yeah. And they're winning, right? Um, and they want they don't want to feel like a loser, so they want yeah. the numbers. And so, what do you have yeah. to do? Well, you can't be yeah. a faithful church and really grow. So, I guess here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna yeah. stop talking. I'm not gonna be for abortion. I'm just not going to be as we're not going to be so against it. We're not going to be so yeah. much yeah. against it. You right. know what I mean? I'm not going to be for these things, but I want it to be a comfortable place for people that are for these things to be right to yeah. learn about. Maybe they'll hear about Jesus. Right. Which is not the Boniface option. The Boniface <clears throat> option is like, oh, you see that tree tomorrow? I'm going to chop it down. Not just the tree is bad. Let's not talk about the tree. Yeah. Let's maybe move the town away from the tree. Like, let's just go ahead and chop it down. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, the, and, 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 and that's, that's the thing is like, how, how does this work out? It's that over time, you know, you begin to, to reshape, um, you know, American Christianity uh, from the ground up and you begin to, to build churches and build, you know, entire, you know, denominations and, and entire movement of, of churches that, that believe the same things that Christians believed 500 years ago in the right. same way and lived the same way. And then you can go and confront a place like New York City yeah. or the big metropolitan areas right. and, and begin to invade. You consolidate and then you advance. I mean, that's that's what you do. I mean, you, I think the way to look at it is, um, for example, the uh, the Reconquista in, in Spain, right? Spain is completely conquered by Muslims except for this little section in, in the Northwest. And from there, over 400 years, they slowly won back all of their kingdoms from the Muslims. And, and that's kind of the position that we're in in today is we, we're holed up in here and the Benedict option kind of is, all right, we're, we're safe and comfortable in the Asturias Mountains and we'll just live here indefinitely while the, while the Muslims rule the rest of Spain and, and call it good. Yeah. And the, the Boniface option is, all right, we're, we're here now. Where do we attack next? Right? right. How do we, what's the plan? We're going to take it back one day and- well, where do we where do we focus on right now with the resources we have at hand? How can and we then, prepare for tomorrow's battle? What yeah. can we be building? Yeah, but it allows, like, for the record, the Boniface option allows for you know because you kind of started with step two, but step one might might be uh, first fall back. Yeah, but it's not fall yeah. back to survive. Yeah, it's fall back to survive to then fight yeah. another day. And so, yeah. that, like, I think that sadly we've let things get so so bad we're at you know stage four cancer at this mm -hmm. point not saying that things can't be worse tragically i think they yeah. can be worse but things are so bad at this point uh where i i really think that you know right now the immediate strategy if we're thinking step one for a lot of guys it's fallback um yeah. for a lot of guys it's all right like we lost the outer wall go mm -hmm. go back uh to the, you know they've breached the outer wall maybe even breached the second wall like let's go back to the inner sanctum and uh lock it down build 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 uh and then let's okay now let's go out and try to take up to the second wall yeah. okay and that like then ride out to meet them <laughs> right then ride out to meet them <laughs> you know like that that's, that's right it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it that's right so you fall I, but i but the point is it's not just um the boniface option is not the suicidal uh kamikaze you know kamikaze option yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, we want to win. We don't just want to fight. We want to fight in such a way that we actually win and fighting to win, um, winning strategies do include, there's more to it than this, but they include, uh, temporary tactical retreats. Yeah. And so right now I think yeah. like we need to realize like, so Tim Keller, um, the, the, the sad reality is uh, I believe he's with the Lord. I'm not saying he's unregenerate, uh, but the sad reality is that uh, that guy, his public teaching got worse and worse throughout his life. Uh, his earlier stuff. He was is, thoroughly is evangelized by New York. E exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. The sad thing is he went out to win New York and, and New York won, won him. Yeah. Um, like he, he was discipled more by New York than, than New York was discipled by him. Well, it's like the tweet, you know, it's not what the city we bring to the city, but what the city brings to us. And well, 
he got what the city brought. Exactly. Yep. So right now, I think like we need to recognize that and say like, okay, we we part of it was Tim Keller. It was the urban church planting. It was the in and for the city. Um, it was all these things, but it was also. Um, I think just in church planting, one of the things was uh, we spread ourselves too thin. I think of NAM, I think of Acts mm-hmm. 29, I think of multiple different organizations. Everything was about church planting. And and part of it was, you know, a good instinct that we're going against, you know, the, the jewel and the Bible belt, you know, these big mega churches with, you mm-hmm. know, 15,000 people, because uh, it's not about numbers. But here's the thing. The irony is it was still about numbers. We just changed which number we're counting. Yeah. So now instead of how many butts and seats, you know, it's how many, because that they would, I remember having to fill out survey. How many churches does your church plan on planting in the next 10 years? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and we would boast of a new number. The new number is uh, not how many people are in one church, but how many churches yeah. we've planted. But it was planted. still about numbers. But what yeah. we did is, so we cared about numbers. We just changed which numbers we were counting. Uh, and in part, because of the, the loser kind of thing, I think we realized, you know, the SBC, the numbers have been going down year after year after year. And, you know, so you, you hate to re- just keep reporting that to, you know, to the mm-hmm. people in the pews. So this year we lost this many more thousand. This year we lost a hundred something mm-hmm. thousand. This year we've had uh, this many less baptisms and this many less this and this many. Mm-hmm. So then you, you, what do you do instead? Well, well, really, isn't it all about planting new churches and reaching the lost? And so, uh, yeah. well, this year, so then you stop emphasizing we lost this many people across the board. Mm-hmm. We lost, you know, we went from 15 million to 13.5 million across the, the nation. Uh, well, let's not focus on that. Instead, yeah. we planted, you know, uh, uh, 8,500 new churches. And that's the number that mm. we're going to boost. But in doing that, what, what happened is we spread everybody so thin. It became, church planting became a suicide mission. And, mm. and the bar got lowered to where a guy who, who would barely qualify as a deacon in, in my mm. church was a church planter mm. uh, with funding. And with, you know, it was like NASCAR, right? Like everybody wants to bet on a certain horse. So that windshield is filled up. It's got a NAM sticker. It's got an A29 sticker. It's got a gospel coalition sticker. It's got a, you know, like oh, you can mm. barely see through the windshield. Everybody wants to, you know, claim <laughs> like we've got this, we're planting planting a church. We're, yeah. And even the numbers, yeah. each of these organizations mm. would say, we're planting 10 churches and it'd be 10 different organizations saying, we're planting 10 churches. There'd only be 10 church, church planters, yeah. you know, who yeah. are all claimed by, by all each 10 different them. organizations, yeah. 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 you know? And so anyways, all that being said, my point is we, we went, we changed the numbers. We Yikes. spread far too thin <clears throat> and, and we sent a lot of young men and I was one of them. I know this firsthand because I was one of them. I was not qualified to plant a church and I was given a thumbs up that I should not have received. Uh, but we sent a lot of guys to die. And so to say to those guys who are dying, the ones who haven't, mm-hmm. a lot of them apostatized, they're not even Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. But to the guys who are still barely hanging on, to, t- to tell them, it's a mercy and a kindness to tell them, uh, you can come home. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're a failure. You can come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've got a church here. We, we've got some defense. We've got some resources built up. We've got some, uh, we've got this, we've got that. And you can come back. There's a place for you here. Uh, and, and we're not going to say that you're a failure. This was a, this was a losing strategy. We were foolish. Uh, you were a pawn in this game, uh, in Big Eva's, you know, church planting or urban church planting game. Come back home. You're not a failure. You're going to be treated well. You're going to be embraced like the prodigal coming home. We're going to build you up. Um, and then eventually we'll send you out, but not 1,300 miles. We'll send you out 13 miles. Yeah. Down, and we'll just take it little by little by little. Here and it's right going to take us yeah. maybe 100 years, but we'll yeah. win it back. Did you like the episode? Great. You want to watch the next one? Wait a whole week. Or... Go to patreon.com right response ministries. Again, patreon.com right response ministries. Binge the whole season right now. What are you waiting for?